the certainty of death and, and the uncertainty of the time of death. And uh, this is certainly yeah, one of the most important preparation practices, the contemplation on death. Um, and it says, you will separate from long-time friends and relatives. You will leave behind the wealth you worked to build up. The guest, your consciousness, will move from the in, your body. Give up your life. This is the practice of a bodhisattva. I will read it again. You will separate from long-time friends and relatives. So, you know, just you know, if one takes this to heart, it can be. It's quite. You will separate from long-time friends and relatives. You will separate from your children, from your parents. Or from your maybe you have been married for a long time, so you will you will separate from long time friends and relatives. So when when you read that first, so it's 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 so important then to pause and to see what happens in you. What what does that? What kind of feelings? What kind of thoughts come up? What does it do with you? You will leave behind the wealth you worked to build up. So that is, that includes all you know all possessions, all uh, no everything we we gained, everything all, all projects. So like we might have a feeling oh my life was so meaningful because i built up this company or i built that house like oh my my life was so meaningful because i built this house um but you will you will leave it behind and it will it will cr- crumble as well or whatever we build up whatever we make it will fall apart so when you read that first, don't just go over it, but like pause and wow, what 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 happens? And maybe you, you maybe maybe you feel wow, I don't want to go there. It's too much. It makes me too sad, or it's too horrifying, and and then then you then you acknowledge that oh, that, that this is difficult. Why is it difficult? So it is. Uh, it is so important that we dare to allow difficult feelings to arise when we re- when we read these verses. Of course, that does not mean that you uh, that it should trigger like a, a, a like a bad day or something like that. You know? But uh, some some really like um, some heartfelt contemplation. The guest, your consciousness, will move from the in, your body. 
So even you know the body, which is like we are so identified with it, and we take so much care of it, and we worry so much about the body, that it looks good, that it's healthy, that it is fit. Uh, particularly in our society, there's so much. Uh, you know, I mean, people go to operations and you know get facelifting and fake body parts and. So there's a there's like an obsession in our in our culture about looking good. So even that we have to leave behind. Give up your life. So what happens when you hear that? Ken McLeod has translated the verses. Many verses like this, that in the last line there is this kind of boof, and and it's supposed to um, to trigger and and response. Give up your life. So what? what you no, know, what happens then when you hear that? Give up your life. What happens then? Any responses to that? Is it like yeah, or is it like is it like oh shit? What does it mean? Of course, I don't want to give up my life. Yeah. So what happens in you? For you, it's like yes, yeah. Give up your life. It's something inspiring. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's the same for me. I, I find it inspiring. Uh, uh-huh. but but still there's there's something difficult uh, in that uh, thought of letting go of like your whole life and just like dedicating it to mm-hmm. to the Dharma. So I, even though like it's it's something I would like to do, there's it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I contemplate this verse, uh uh, I also think that death will, when I like uh, destroy everything I have built, is also referring to my knowledge of the Dharma. So, like mm-hmm. all these books I've read, all these teachings I've gotten, like all these tools I've received, all of these things will also disappear, and that's the most horrible thing. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, it's difficult, like, the relatives and, like, everyone you love, but at least I have, like, my tools, like, which I can use, but all that's really, like, up in here. Like, only a few things have melted down, Mm. like, Mm. been embodied, become a part of my personality Mm. or or whatever. But, so that's really scary, that I even have to let go of that safety net in a way which I've received through yeah. the practices. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, for me it's a little bit um, I'm a little bit afraid that maybe I will uh, you know like some other monks uh, change my mind after a while. It's like as if I have a, a couple of buds. Kind of rose buds or something that want to 
flowering Christ. I, 25 years ago, I thought, yeah, great. Yeah, that could be said. But it was kind of resignation. In yeah, yeah. And I think you should really, your heart should really be pumping and you should say, this, yes. Not even that, it's just your way. It's not yes or no, it's just, and go into it. It's, but the other, if you have to appear where maybe and then you learn, but it's better mm. if perhaps not, but yeah, okay. Then I think it's just uh, too much of that. I think it's a hard thing. It's just you breathe it, and then there's no mm. will you or will you not get out of my way. <laughs> I think so. But I think you can, uh, it's some, I got things to kind of cultivate, you know, this knowing the way we. So I don't do anything in hurry. I still think you can be pretty near. Mm. So when you hear that, yeah. do you hear the buds? Or yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, 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 yeah, I uh, give you life. No, no, not, 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 not yet. yet. But not I yet. know one day uh, I will, definitely. Yeah. Maybe not this trip. Next time I go down. Or yeah. I don't know, but I, I don't feel that I'm in a hurry. or mm. There's no quick fix. Uh, yes, yeah. Because yeah. so that is, no, it's because yeah. it would be we would have to cut up some yeah. flowers that are growing now. Yeah, I think, yeah. and that is it scares me that. Uh, no, I don't think. I think I really have to not appear my dear. Mm -hmm. And you have a sense that you can't rush it. Yeah, you have a sense it's yeah. it has to grow naturally. And yeah. then it's just there. Yeah, quite yeah. cultivating. And, uh, mm. so, so I really, so I really. Mm. Mm. So I'm a little bit romantic, so I can, you know, build up. Here, here. Mm -hmm. Just take this off. But it's not that, I'm not there yet. No, yeah. One step at a time in the right order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So when I taste it, I uh, yeah. Uh, mm. I was thinking, uh, Stefan, if I can say something. Here in this copy we have here, instead of give your life, it says forget the conventional concerns mm. so that it depends really what words one hears mm. to what happens. So what's the difference for you when you hear forget conventional concerns? This is different. So mm -hmm. the first one, give your life in mm. a way I think is death. So it, it is the moment of live, of living life. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah, that's that's what what you what you understand, but that's yes. not what is meant. No. What what is it meant? Give up your life means give up the attachment, give up the attachment to the eight worldly dharmas. Yes. Now, now I see. Yeah. And so maybe this Conventional concerns. Conventional, the mundane, the mundane. Co yeah, conventional concerns are is uh, the translation for the eight worldly dharmas. Yeah. Mm. 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 Mm.
So give up your life does not mean give up your no being alive, but giving up uh, the mundane preoccupation with fame, uh, with material, and with uh, nice experiences. Because uh, when when it says give up your life, it does not mean give up. Uh, give up love, give up compassion, give up uh, healing, and uh, give up serving. Uh, th that's not what is what is meant. Mm. But you can see how uh, both translations are from uh, Ken McLeod. So this one is a previous translation, and so he has changed it because I think he wants to um, be a bit like uh, kind of. You know, make, make us, uh, yeah, shake us, yeah, shake us. So give up conventional concerns, you know, you know <laughs> give up life. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, <coughs> he writes something about it. He says, give up your life, give it all up. Give it, give it all up. Yeah. So what? Yeah. So give it all up. Do not base your life on what can be taken away from you. Wealth, possessions, health, family, friends, fame, respect. Do not base your life on what can be taken away from you. So on what then? If you have the good fortune to have family, friends, wealth or respect, savor them, knowing that they all must, must come to an end sooner or later. But, but do not base your life on holding on to them. A and that's what is called the, the uh, living Living from, living from the eight worldly dharmas that you hold on or you build up that which can be taken away from, from you. So your life is about acquiring or experiencing things which can be taken away from you. Wealth, possession, health, family, friends, fame, respect. So that's what, what this verse uh, is encouraging us or is questioning. Give that up because it's not reliable. So when we contemplate this, Uh, and we develop mindfulness around this first awareness, then probably what you start to realize is that all your activities is pervaded by 
one of these uh, intentions. Or the intention to have a nice experience, the intention to be famous, the fear of being criticized, uh, the intention to acquire material, uh, to the intention to acquire safety. So most of our activities are pervaded by that. That's how it is. Yes. Mm -hmm. That is the only thing that we would Yeah. Do. Even my actions that are supposed to give them up are also driven. <laughs> yeah, so I'm by the same kind of way of relating. Mm. 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 So mm. how to give them up? Uh, the first the first step in uh, in this is uh, to become aware, to notice, because that what you notice, that what you become aware of, uh, then, then it, that starts to soften, that starts to dissolve. It's 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 like it stops to control you. So you become aware, and with kindness. It, so and that a side effect of that is that then. Noticing the eight worldly dharmas and others, uh, you you have more space for that, more kindness for that also, because you recognize, wow, that's also in me. One of the driving forces in me is the eight worldly dharmas. So th this co th this compa th this compassionate gaze on that is very important. And then. Uh, Connecting as best as we can with the more altruistic intention, or with with the, because yeah, on one hand we can say that all our activities are in different uh, degrees flavored by the eight worldly dharmas, but they are also flavored by our goodness. So you can become you, can, you become aware of that, so the the many moments when. Your natural warmth is triggered, or your joy of doing something for someone, uh, helping, uh, your joy of um, being there for someone, taking care of your kids. Uh, so, all that is uh, is activities which are also uh, where it's mixed, but it's also there. So rejoicing in that which is already there, and then continue to um, uh, to target the the reason for the eight worldly dharmas, and that is uh, the self-centeredness. And uh, the antidote towards the eight, eight worldly dharmas, okay, that's the realization of emptiness, but also the cultivate, cultivate, cultivation of the altru altruistic intention of bodhicitta. So that's how you work with it. And then you have a few more lifetimes. Yes. 
I would I would uh, emphasize not so much uh, your feeling bad about the eightwardly concerns. I would rather emphasize the rejoicing in what is already there, in terms of goodness a and little things. I mean, just that you came here tonight. Even maybe you didn't feel like it, and you were tired. Uh, so, but you came here. Uh, so, does that is uh, is so much? He finishes this uh, uh, this his commentary on this verse with what happens to the guest. You know, in the first, it's talking about how the guest is leaving the inn, the guest house. The guest is leaving the guest house. The guest house is the body, so the guest leaves. Yeah. So what happens to the guest? No one knows. It is a mystery. And, and, and that's something I, I, I like with Ken McLeod. No, because uh, traditional teachers, I mean, Tupton Shirt and what you're right, yeah, it goes on into the next life. It's being reborn. So I, I like it that, that, uh, that he is not... Uh, like kind of dogmatic in that way. It's a mystery. No one knows. Of course, if you if you are a Buddhist, if you have uh, if you have listened a lot to these teachings on karma and past lives and previous lives, then then we have a sense that we know. Yeah, of course, no future lives. I have past lives, and it and on a and when we keep it on uh, that kind of superficial level of this dogmatic belief level, then it feels kind of nice. You know, we don't need to think so much about it. It's just like, yeah, past and future lives, and uh, I accumulate karma, good karma, and I purify in this life, and so next life, and I will be reborn. And uh, and then I, I then I like to to. Be, no one knows. It's a mystery, and then you are again in that, in that, uh, in that uh, vulnerable place of not knowing. Wow, this mystery. We we actually don't have any clue what this is about and where it leads to. We have maps and we have myths to talk about, and uh, it's it's. Yeah, I, I mean, of course, sometimes, sometimes I wish he would write. <laughs> yes, it will travel on. Yeah, it will travel on. But I also like this to keep it a mystery. No one knows. 
files. Yeah. This uh, myths about uh, uh, rebirth are they just to make us feel good? It's <laughs> 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 a good question. Uh, not, I, I don't know. That's something each of us probably needs to needs to contemplate and figure out. What is, you know, what is your what is your sense and what it is based on also. You know, what it is based on. Uh, if you would say, yeah, it makes sense for me, past and future lives. But what it is, what this statement when you make this statement, what is it based on? So we get into the question of how do we know things. And uh, uh, certainly, it is. Uh, it is. It could be seen as part of the skillful means. Yeah, the skillful means of the of the Buddha to to teach um, to teach in a way that it helps us to re- to re- to release our suffering, to let go of our suffering. But if you contemplate this question and you make research, then it could be that you come to the conclusion there's actually more more indication for past and future lives than there are for just this, just one life. If, if you go into a deep research into this, in, inside of you, yeah, also, I mean, to rely on scriptures is also a valid way to to start to know things. I mean, if you if you rely on the teachings of His Holiness the Dalai Lama and the teachings of the Buddha and many other masters, that's not stupid to not to uh, to rely on on the teachings of the of these people, who partly talk from their own experience because some of them remember past lives. And then there's one's own experiences, you know, past lives, regression, you know, meeting, you know, through hypnotic uh, induction, and uh, then this, you know, if you read some of the stories of the Tulkus, and I've met some of them, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, it would be difficult to explain some of these things in a different way, then there must be some continue. This, this continuum, this needs to come from somewhere else. But uh, Ken McLeod is a teacher who, uh, who is not, um, who is teaching in a way which does not necessarily need the concept of past and future lives. And that's also good. Is that Something else? Or? Yeah, can I? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was just wondering, like, um, you, uh, the guest, your consciousness will move from the in your body. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I, I was just wondering, what, the, what do they mean with consciousness? Is, I'm thinking about, like, you know, the six different kinds of consciousnesses. No, it's, it's the clear light mind, the, the, the innermost awareness. So the most subtle, the most subtle level of the mind. All the other uh, f- uh, five consciousness, they are, they are dissolved. They dissolve, and and then 
somehow, which they can't really completely clearly explain, some kind of energetic residues of those, they travel with that subtle level of mind. Well, they call it imprints or, or like residues or uh, so in, in that subtle level, in that subtle stream, uh, all the different imprints and uh, capacities, they travel there. That's what is meant with consciousness. Does it travel in time and space? Uh, <laughs> it, <not> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is an interesting question because if you talk about travel, then no, if you say something like, "Okay, I know the consciousness travels from this body to the next <laughs> place," yeah. that would imply that there is a place out there somewhere independent from consciousness. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I think you could also more go into the direction that while you travel, you create the world you are traveling through. So, the bardo, in the bardo, there is more the idea that is like your projections. No? That's that what they say. It's your projections. And so that's why you can, through dream, through lucid dreaming, for example, you prepare yourself not to be fooled by the projections in the bardo. But then somehow, at one point, they say, then you are reborn. And then it sounds that you kind of come out at the end of the bardo, and there's the real world. And you see your father and mother which exists independently from you because you come there, you travel there, and then you see it. Yeah? You, you see it. That's not, if you go deeper there, then it does not make sense because there is not an independent, solid world out there where you could go. So it is a story which makes sense and I like to tell it and on one level, uh, it's an interesting you know, thing, explanation, giving some meaning to this mystery, but uh, how it is really, I think, then what Ken McLeod says, no one knows, it is a mystery, seems to be also a good position. Facts. Hmm? Facts. Facts. <laughs> What facts? Fact. No one knows. Ah. That's a fact. Yeah, no, I don't know, because some people say they know. I mean, there's people who have, who, who, uh, know, who have memories of the bardo and of... Uh, so... Yeah. Yeah. I, I can understand that we... It's something in us desperately looks for, you know, this is how it is. Now I have understood it. Yeah. So, what happens if we sometimes let go of that need? It's scarier, but it's also a relief. It's liberation. It's it is it is it is, it is a kind of liberation, not not, not needing. Need to know. You yeah. Don't need 
Yeah. But, but, uh, the, 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 yes. You don't need to know, but there is also, there can be a resignation in it. So I, I think uh, there is a difference of having really deeply asked this question and looked into and opened your heart and then to let go rather than a premature letting go of, ah, oh, this is too complicated and nobody knows and I, nobody, I don't think about it. That's yeah. That's is com yeah. So th that's why I, I know that you, when you say you don't need to know, uh, it's a good way. There, there is a, there, there's a good way and, and there is a kind of risk. There's an opening way to say, I don't know. And there is a closing way of, I, it's like, I don't know. And so I don't think about these things. But rather than, I don't know. Nobody knows. It's a mystery. Ah. With some friends, the three poisons keep growing. Study, reflection and meditation weaken. While loving kindness and compassion fall away. Give up bad friends. This is the practice of a bodhisattva. Give up bad friends. So maybe here one can also distinguish between an outer practice and an inner practice. So give up bad friends in the sense of reflecting on with what kind of people you want to spend time with. And on the inner level, asking yourself, is this how I want to behave? Is this how I want to be remembered? Is this a habit, a habit uh, I want to cultivate. So to ask that question. <coughs> so on the outer level, is this the people I want to spend my time with? How does it influence me when I'm with this circle of friends? And uh, on the inner level, is this how I want to behave? And give up bad friends. And again, uh, Ken McLeod says that the main practice here is to give it names, to give the habits name, a name, to become aware. So that uh, because awareness or mindfulness of a habit of a situation starts to liberate you. It, start, it, it weakens. What you become aware of weakens. So he says, learn to recognize that behavior and call it by its name. It's quite interesting to observe that sometimes. That's also the power of confession. Uh, no, it's it, it's once you have openly 
named what you are doing, it becomes much more difficult uh, to do it. But if you don't name it, and you kind of you keep it in the dark, you are kind of half unconscious about it, and you try to hide it, then uh, then you, you you continue you, then you then the habit gets you no know, keeps on working on you. So it's uh, the the practice of confession is. Um, in that sense, uh, it is uh, powerful to name it. So, and he says here, when you name something, it loses power. When you name something, it loses power. Just ask Rumpelstiltskin. Just ask Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> you don't know Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> is there a name, a Swedish name for it? It's the same. Ah, it's the same. Rumpelstiltskin. Okay. It's a child story. If you, it's a if you say his name, uh, the troll, then he loses his power. But if you don't know his name, he has magic yeah. powers he can use against you. It's it's a it's a fairy tale from from the collection of Grimm. Mm -hmm. It's this. Uh, how's the troll 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 called in in Swedish? Troll. Troll. No, there's another name. Oh, I forgot it. What are the, the little people called? No, in Swedish? Small folk. Tomte, yes. What class is Tomte? What what class what class of beings is Tomte? They are it's house an, elves or no, it's, an own class of it's it's a it's a yeah. own they are tribe. They are in the houses of elves. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah. yeah so Rumpelstiltskin. So. Uh, uh, Oh, wie gut, dass niemand weiß, dass ich Rumpelstilzchen heiße. <lacht> oh, oh, wie gut, dass niemand weiß, dass ich Rumpelstilzchen heiße. Uh, oh, how wonderful. Nobody knows that my name is Rumpelstilzchen. And he's dancing around the fire. Yeah. And, and, and the princess hears that. She's like in the forest and then she, she, she witnessed the dance, how he is dancing around. Oh, how wonderful. Nobody knows that I, my name is, he's shouting in the forest. <laughs> and, and then next time when he, when she, when he, turn, when he turns up, she, uh, she says, yeah, your name is Rumpelstiltskin. And then he explodes. It's gone. Yeah. Let's say if there's a behavior and you can name it Rumpelstiltskin, but you still get stuck Rumpelstiltskin. 
what is it what is it or what is it what you don't want to feel in that moment like if it's an addictive behavior for example then 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 the question is what is it what you what you don't want to feel in the behavior yeah. mm -hmm. you just keep on doing it I mean the awareness mm -hmm. the awareness and the healing and the, the looking uh, are you aware where it comes from yeah. you have the the conditioning from your childhood and you have understood oh, yeah. that yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, does it make a difference for you to name it with kindness and uh -huh. what do you think about it? Do you do you uh, do you do you judge yourself for it? No, it's out of control. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. What helps you wi by working with it? Uh, yeah. uh, I think the only thing that's been helpful is um, to be compassionate about the situation, but I can't change the situation. And that's okay. Mm. It will have to be like this for a while. That's okay. What is the situation? Can you name no, something? No. no. Mm. Mm. Yes, if you can't, so if you if you can't change a situation, then and the, the, so what you always what you can explore then is what are you? How do you relate to the situation? What do you do with it? Yeah. So this is give up bad friends, and then the next verse. With verse 6, with some teachers, your shortcomings fade away and abilities grow like the waxing moon. Hold such teachers dear to you, dearer than your own body. This is the practice of a bodhisattva. It's, it's wonderful how he always puts this, this dearer than your own body. <laughs> There's always this really like pushing, yeah? Pu trying to make us pause. So hold such teachers dear to you, dearer than your own body. So this is, of course, uh, really within the Tibetan tradition, one of the really important themes uh, all of us we need to explore. The relationship to teachers. What is a healthy relationship? How do you cultivate that relationship? What, uh, what, 
how do you move when the relationship is compromised? Uh, what are unhealthy uh, manifestation of a relationship to a teacher? And uh, I think if you if you feel drawn to the Tibetan tradition, then you can't avoid this theme. It's it's something difficult for us because there's so many traps and so ma many expectations and so many confusions you know about how to how to establish healthy relationships in the west because it does not work for us just to copy the tibetan the P tibetan model but and then on the other hand we hear all the stories about you know scandals and abuse and we are also anyway a bit general a bit suspicious uh, towards goodness so we always assume oh, there must be some you know, he, they want to make profit with us or <coughs> no, then we hold back or there is a sense of uh, we are all equal I'm not bowing to anyone or there is a sense of uh, uh, kind of no, I can take. I can just take. I can just... And if it's for free, better. Um, so it's... Uh, it's worth to, uh, to, uh, to feel into this team and where you are and connect with your longings and your fears and uh, so what does it mean for you? Yeah? Hold such teachers dear to you. Oh, uh, Ken McLeod says, to find a suitable teacher is more difficult than to find a suitable husband. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but, uh, but it's just saying how, how, um, how you know, uh, once you have uh, made a connection with a teacher that in like in a relationship it is work to keep that relationship alive so in the same also the same way also the relationship to your teacher it's it's something you need to cultivate something you need to work on uh, so in the in the tibetan tradition then there's the practices of guru yoga and you know reflecting on <coughs> So, uh, if you if you want to read a bit about this, so starting to contemplate it, then you could read in uh, the the work of Alex Burson around it. Or he wrote a book about it, which is um, on his website, cultivating a healthy relationship to a teacher. And there's some some clues here in, in the commentary um, for example cherish the relationship but do not worship your teacher and Alex Burson says focus on the qualities without denying the shortcomings without denying the shortcomings uh, so that that is that is a difficult part for us like I, I see it 
quite often in, in the West that there is this projection to Tibetan lamas as if they are like beyond anything, you know, beyond being human. And uh, and 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 the, the Tibetans say they they are somehow more down to earth there. So they also have that they have even a bigger devotion. But on the other hand, they can also relate to their teachers in a in a more natural way because they somehow they bring this together. He is a Buddha or she is a Buddha, but also a human being at the same time. And then one another thing is do not speak badly of your teacher, even if you come to part ways. There's no surer way to undermine your own practice or to close the door to your own awakening. So this this is uh, this is an important point in the tradition. So of course sometimes we part. You, know, you part with the teacher because you move on and there's things other things you want to learn or you know, other reasons uh, why you part uh, but uh, that's a very, very fundamental commitment uh, that you don't speak badly about your teacher because uh, what you the, the teacher you, you you empower the teacher to to connect you con, to connect you with the best in you. That's what you. So it's a decision you make. You 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 say to someone, I empower you so that I can connect with the best in me. And then if you talk badly about your teacher, then you disconnect with that aspect, with that goodness in you. With that, what the teacher is pointing you to, or the methods you learn from the teacher. Yes. I was just wondering, is it a is that kind of relationship, or for me, it feels like a, quite it's it's like taking a risk. Mm-hmm. Telling me it's very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Is it supposed to be that, or it's, it, does it rather have something to do with like earlier hurts? Yeah, that is a good, uh, good observation, uh, and that's uh, that's also mm, here the importance. As in, I think in in all aspects of our practice, that it is healthy and good for us to become wa- aware of about our conditioning. And that is not being done in the tradition. So in the traditional guru devotion, there is no talk about, no, now when you say there is the, for you it is a risk to open to, to someone. And of course, this has to do with your parents. So, um, uh, but they, they don't talk about it in the Tibetan tradition. So there is not this kind of thinking, but I think for us it is very important, and and the relationship to your teacher will bring up this stuff, like longing for the father, and then being disappointed not being seen, and 
uh, feeling criticized, buttons are pushed, which you carry because, you know, your father and mother relationships or other experience in your life. So this will all come up. And more you know about your conditioning, more you can use that. So then the relationship to your teacher becomes also a part of you healing the relationship to your father. If you if you bring awareness into it. But on the other hand, of course, you you are supposed to be careful. You are supposed to check. In the Tibetan tradition they say, you know, you have to check a teacher a few years before you commit yourself. And then it's also so important to uh, to acknowledge that there's different levels of teachers. So, you know, the way what I can give you is completely different and the relationship we have would be completely di is completely different than a relationship you would have to a uh, qualified tantric master, which I'm not, and this is not the kind of relationship we have. So it's also important to, to distinguish different levels of teachers, different functions of teachers. Yeah. Yes? Uh, about this checking, because sometimes it's like, you, you see so many people being the disciple or teacher and many, for example, very realized <coughs> people and so on. So, in, and seeing in that sense, it's like quite, you know, you can be quite sure that it's an authentic good teacher. So what am I checking? Am I checking my my own affiliation or my own ego, my own buttons? Or what, what am I really checking? Yeah, if a teacher is famous, that's not a that's not a mm, that's not necessarily a good criteria um, uh, but like let's say I, I think the Dalai Lama is quite safe yeah. you know like <laughs> I mean he's not going to have a scandal or you know. but um, there you what you would check is uh, one criteria uh, Ken McLeodius says in the presence of a capable spiritual teacher your emotional reactivity subsides and you are able to be with parts of yourself that you could never face before so you are able to be with parts of yourself you never could face before so is that happening so it's more like, uh, so you go into the into the presence of that master, and you see what is what is happening in you. How does it feel? Is it inspiring? The way he teaches, is it talking to you? Is uh, no what he is teaching? Is it is it what you want to learn? No, it, like if if there is a teacher who is like very good in teaching Buddhist philosophy and he's very clear, then that's what you're going to learn. If there's a teacher who is encouraging you into self-compassion and be kind to, and, and so and that's what you're going to learn. So it's then it's more it's then it's not so much about checking if you no know, this is a reliable teacher, but more like is this a teacher which works for you, which speaks to your heart, and where you feel I can establish a relationship with this teacher for a few years because I feel I can I can learn from this person 
not necessary for the rest of your life, but for, uh, but for some time. And it can happen that uh, many of your friends, which you, uh, which you, um, which you, which you trust, and uh, you know people you, you which, uh, which judgment you trust, but still, it's not for you. Because you, yeah, it's not, there is no, it does not click. And there it is easy to get uh, carried away by the fame and by the excitement and by the awe and everyone and the stories of people. And and then, then it's easy to get carried away and, and not to listen what's happening in me, what is my needs, what do I feel. Yeah. Yes. Uh, this is kind of a very difficult step. For it's not like it's a lot of spiritual teachers all around you when you like work all day, have a family. Uh, mm. Not you know. It's um, could it be listening to someone at YouTube? <laughs> I mean, certainly. It's, maybe it's not like I don't have years to look no. for my teacher. No. No, it's uh, so. There, it's also you know the different levels. Like, uh, so if you if you look for a teacher, you know where you do the maybe the guru yoga with or the inspiration and uh, you know, calling upon help, uh, feeling the blessings, feel, feel being inspired, feeling the warmth, feeling the kindness, uh, then you can have a relationship. With a teacher who's dead. Mm. On that level. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But then of course it's also good to have a have a teacher like now, me. Mm. No? Just someone where you learn some practical tools and you can ask a question and uh, and so but that's a different kind that's a different level of teachers. So uh, and then then maybe in the future, uh, no, you will meet someone who is teaching in Copenhagen, or who comes sometimes to Malmo, or mm -hmm. no, something like this, like once a year, or uh, so. So then, then you have like different levels. So you have the kind of the guru, yeah, like the Lama, and then you have someone who is like somehow some a bit in between and then you have someone who, who teaches you the more practical stuff meditation and, and so yeah. it does not need to be one person yeah and then uh, I mean you have children yes. how old are they uh, eight and twelve. Yeah, so that's your job now. But I mean, eight—that's that's like ten more years. <laughs> I mean, not that you—it's not going to finish in ten years. Yeah, but maybe then in ten years you can start to do a, like a two, three weeks of retreat with a master, like mm -hmm. with a teacher who who gives like uh, you know many of these Tibetan masters they give this week courses or two-week courses where you can go and you do retreats. Mm. 
and uh, and it's it, it's actually amazing how we have access to these levels of practitioners of masters. Tibetans never would have that. No, maybe we think like yeah, in Tibet that was so great that people they had all the lamas there, but we have the opportunity to you know to to. Uh, to spend a week with the Holiness the Dalai Lama in in you know somewhere or okay that's a big crowd but you know if you go to um, uh, to like retreats with Lama Sopa Rinpoche for example yeah there's maybe 100 150 people there so if you uh, there you can establish a personal relationship with it a qualified master it doesn't need to master. be like personal you know my but teacher, like when you talk about it before, it, I get the feeling almost like a therapist, uh, like someone you meet. In a, I, yeah. uh, my husband is a, a sober alcoholic, we call it, so he, he goes, he has his mentor, yeah. and uh, he yeah. is mentoring someone. And I thought yeah. it was more that kind of relationship that uh, the teacher you were talking about. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to be that. No. Um, but I think that's one of the one of the challenges, or you know, to explore how, how this can how we how we in the West can work with this. But if you, you know, like I have been now. Uh, I I'm now a student of La, a student of Lama Sopa since about 20 years, mm. and in this 20 years, I think altogether I talked with him maybe all the times together two hours, mm. no, like sometimes just a sentence, a little bit longer, like, and then five or six emails, and, and that's it. What I had on kind of pers personal. Exchange, mm. uh, but uh, so that would be like the relationship to a to a master. <coughs> but what I think it's very helpful, and that's how I always did it, that I always have a a closer relationship to someone who is more experienced. Someone I I have Skype session with, mm. in in a more like mentor psychotherapeutical kind of relationship mm -hmm. and and that could be a, a, a therapist who is open to meditation and spiritual experiences or an experienced meditation teacher I found that very helpful for me mm -hmm. and and maybe that could be a model which you know which will be stronger in the in the West I, I think no. Now there's practitioners who have been practicing since 30, 40 years. You know? Like now the generation who started, they are, you know, they are 60, 65. Uh, so they started in the 70s. So like 15 years before I got into Tibetan Buddhism. And I can learn from them. And I talk with them and... and and I, I have, I, I, I have established relationship to, to, to them, and then, uh, yeah. And I, I think that's that's helpful.
Yeah, and then we are all different. There is no like, oh, this is how how it should be. Yeah, yeah this is. Uh, This is a, a very interesting topic. So when you, when you read this um, first, uh, you know, just contemplate. Where are you in your relationship to your teacher? Where are your needs? Is there something maybe from your side you need to do? Like, do you need to, you know, is it time for you to make a step, for example, to, to go to a retreat with one, with a master and, and you know, and, and someone you are inspired? Is it time for you to ask for some closer guidance by someone? Of course, you can't ask the Dalai Lama, but um, no, there is experienced practitioners uh, which which give that kind of guidance. So just just see where you are. How, yeah. How does one find like someone who's willing to I mean, I had no. I I I read this book uh, many years ago by Peter Fenner, Radiant Mind. And then, uh, yeah, I read it and I I listened to the, to the to the talks, uh, to the CD. And then, then he offered this nine month course in in Germany, and then I went there. Three weekends, and in between, uh, you had you have. Uh, sessions with him, and uh, yeah, and then, uh, then, and I still have a relationship with him. And if I want to have sessions, then yeah, and then I do that. Then I, then I uh, make an appointment with him. And there's many, uh, there's many other qualified teachers who, who do that. Uh, yeah, you are you 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 get to you. you no, maybe there is a book like which you know you really like and, and it speaks to you. And I mean, okay, if it's Pema Children, probably it would be difficult. Yeah, that's the problem. You know, he he, he says, can make noises here at one point. As Yogi Berra said, said of a famous restaurant, yeah. Yogi Berra, I don't know who that is, but he said of a famous restaurant, nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. (laughs) 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 It's a famous restaurant, but nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course, there is also this saying, you know, when the student is ready, then the teacher appears. Uh, yeah, but you know, if the student is ready, he might. The student also might to travel to Copenhagen. <laughs> it's uh, far away in the different country, you know. Maybe when the student is ready, he starts to travel to Copenhagen. 
because Dakshin Pondok Rinpoche, well, Shuki Nima Rinpoche is uh, teaching in Copenhagen. But, yeah, of course. I mean, if you're, if you're ready and the karma is there, then Pema Schröter will move to Malmö. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is like that. <laughs> it's true. But when? <laughs> But when, yeah? Okay, so then the last verse is about refuge. Yeah? So, the... Go for refuge in what is reliable, the three jewels. Yeah? Go for refuge in what is reliable, the three jewels. 